Well, we are in the book of Joshua, getting towards the end of the book of Joshua, chapter 22. Now, let's go before the Lord in prayer once again. Lord, we thank you and praise you once again for the grace that you've given all of us. We pray that we would learn from this chapter in chapter 22 something that seems so inconsequential unless it has so many applications for us today, Lord. And we pray that you would draw them out, plant them in our hearts, that they'd be used for you and by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been going chapter by chapter through the book of Joshua. We just looked at more cities. We looked at the Levites and their inheritance, the 28 cities they received. We also looked at the cities of refuge. We've seen all the territories that are given. And now we have a new subject talking about the tribes that were from the eastern side of the Jordan. And so let's start in verses 1 through 9 here in chapter 22. Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren, as he promised them. Now therefore return and go to your tents, and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them on their way, and they went to their tents. Now the half, now to the half tribe, to half the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan, but to the other half of it, Joshua gave a possession among their brethren on this side of the Jordan, westward. And indeed, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them and spoke to them, saying, Return with much riches to your tents, with very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, and with very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. So the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed with the children of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And so it, it doesn't really express it here, but for seven years, those from the eastern side of the Jordan, which remember Moses had already given them their inheritance, they said they didn't want to go over to the promised land to the western side of the Jordan. They were very happy with what they saw and they wanted to stay there. Well, they had to make a pact, a covenant, a treaty with the rest of the nation of Israel that their women and children could stay there, but they would have to fight to get the rest of the nation of Israel the promised land. And they have kept their word to the tune of seven years. It has been seven years that they've been over there, away from their families. There's no Skype. There's no FaceTime. There's no internet. There is no phone calls. Seven years they have been in constant battle, and they're finally going to be able to be released. We're going to see a couple things here. One, we're going to see how when things seem to be going right outwardly and everything seems to be coming together, we may miss 
when we compromise with the Lord, that things are actually getting worse and that we're setting a poor foundation. We're also going to see, though, the blessings of fellowship and the blessings of communication with friction. But I don't want to take anything away from these guys right here in verses 1 through 9, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, because they have been fighting for seven years and they kept their promise. Can you imagine? Now, I want you to think before we go into the next section, what would happen if your life, if you dedicated the next seven years to fulfilling your promises, keeping your promises, following after the Lord? If you followed after the Lord with your whole heart for seven years to the point that it was more important than your family, more important than your possessions, more important than your, fa- than your businesses. Now, we know that if we're following the Lord, we're a better husband and wife. We're a better father and mother. We're a better business owner. We're a better neighbor. We're a better person. And we'll be better at all those things. But it, it begs to, to wonder. It begs us to wonder. What would our life be like? And then you could say to yourself, what if you had been that way for the last seven years? What would your life be like tonight? Where would you be at? Well, they are going to return with uh, possessions. They're going to go back home. Um, In verse 8, it says, with riches to your tents, with very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, and with very much clothing. And divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. And we've talked about this in the last few chapters, about the importance of possessing the promises that God's given you, walking in and fulfilling those promises, and how God doesn't do it for you. He doesn't pick you up and bring you into the palace. That we're to walk by faith and not by sight, to do those things. And so they do not go home empty-handed. Now for us, before we go to the next section... It's not about material gain, although the Lord may bless you materially. If you read the book of Proverbs, there's great, great advice in there that will make you a great employee, great manager, great business person, great entrepreneur, and give you some recipes for financial success. But that being said, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is the spiritual. If you remember from our Sunday mornings in Corinthians, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are spiritual, they're to the, to the tearing down of strongholds. Well, with this background in mind, knowing that Reuben, Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, after seven years have finally returned home, they've said goodbye. The last thing that I want to mention is that these guys have been fighting with these other tribes for seven years. What is that goodbye like? Isn't that bittersweet? Seven years straight, day in and day out, your lives have been in each other's hands. And they're finally going to embrace, happy for each other, but also, I think, a little bittersweet. I'm reading into the text. That's always very dangerous, but but I think it's very plausible. Let's read now verses 10 through 12. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan, a great, impressive altar. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard of it, 
the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. And that's how quickly things can change. They're saying goodbye to their veterans, their brothers. They're saying goodbye to the other tribes. They've made it back home. They're on the other side of the Jordan. And what do they decide to do there? They're going to build, the Bible says, a magnificent, a huge altar. And they're doing it on the other side. And when the other tribes hear about this, they have called the banners. The trumpets are blaring. They are, this is, you cannot build another place of worship aside from the tabernacle of God, which is at Shiloh. Remember, the tent where they're doing the worshiping is in Shiloh in the center of Israel. We, we saw a map previously. And so they're thinking they're going off on their own. They're not worshiping the true and living God anymore. That's it. We're wiping them out. And that's what I was hinting at earlier. Because it tells us here in the text, in verse 10, and when they came to the region of the Jordan, what does it say there? Which is in the land of Canaan. On the other side of the Jordan is not the promised land. That's the land of compromise. They didn't want to go all the way in to follow into the nation of Israel into the promised land. And so they're separated. And they had already established themselves on a position of compromise. And now they're building this giant altar. Now we're going to see their motive and we're going to see why and we're going to see what happens here. But I want to be crystal clear. We do not worship God the way we want to, the way that we want it to fit into our system, the way that's convenient for us. We do it God's way. He has made a way of salvation. He has given us the, the terms And He has given us the truth that we are to follow. And they're not to be compromised. But we are seeing within the church, just like within the nation of Israel, this slow drift to compromise. Because the worship of God has become centered around the man instead of around the Savior, around God. And it should be man humbling himself, bowing himself down to the will of God. Instead, we're trying to make God and the Bible, the Word of God, bow down to us. And we're going to see that even though it may seem like all things are well, they are not. This is a big deal, what they're doing here. So much so that they are ready to wipe them out. Well, there is a principle here. Christians... We don't have to have fellowship with people who claim to be Christians that are worshiping a false god. Just because they say they're followers of Jesus Christ does not mean that they are. And they are not in the body of Christ if they do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Jesus said there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Excuse me, that's the book of Hebrews. But Jesus said there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Him. Only one way. Now, I'm sorry that hurts people's feelings. I'm sorry that's not in people's sphere of influence. That's not convenient for people, but they want to compromise. But that is what the Lord has told us, and He is the Lord. By definition, capital L-O-R-D, He is the Lord. Now, these tribes, coming back to the text, have decided we're going to do it a little bit different. The nation of Israel is willing to do something about it. Are we willing to do something about it? You know, when, when we come into a confrontation with someone that says they're a follower of Jesus Christ, but they say, well, you know, the Bible was written by man. You know, it was kind of, there's a lot of contradictions in it, and it's kind of been translated a lot, so we can't really trust it. What do we say? 
oh, I can kind of see why you think that. Well, you know, I don't really think that, but you can think what you think, and I can think what I can think. No. No, the Bible is the inherent Word of God. It is God's revelation of Himself to all of mankind. It is not, not to be compromised. But we say, well, you know, we'll just let them do what they do. That's okay. I, I'm going to go on a rant. You could feel it already. Let's stick to the text. Let's stick to the text. Lord, help me. Verses 13 through 20. It's like uh, Paul when he wanted to go into Asia and the Holy Spirit forbade him. That's what just happened right now. <laughs> Verse 13. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to the half the tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead. Verse 14. And with him ten rulers, one ruler each, from the chief house of every tribe of Israel. And each one was the head of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel. Then they came to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, to the half-tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead. And they spoke with them, saying, verse 16, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord? and that you have built for yourselves an altar that you might rebel this day against the Lord. Is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us, from which we are not cleansed till this day? Although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord. But you must turn away this day from following the Lord, And it shall be, if you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. But do not rebel against the Lord, nor rebel against us by building yourselves an altar besides the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan the son of Zerah commit a trespass in the accursed thing? And wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel. And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. And so what's happened is Phinehas, he's the high priest, but he's the high priest of the whole nation. And so they take a representative from each of the ten tribes to show the unity And Phinehas, the high priest, they go all the way over, they walk, and they get on their boat, and they cross the Jordan, and they get over there. And it's a time of questioning, a time of confrontation. And pastors are called to confront. Now, pastors are not the high priest. There is one high priest, that is Jesus Christ himself. He is all of our high priest. But we need to be able to do what is done here, which is ask some questions and then make the truth of God, crystal clear. Why? Just like Phineas said, there are consequences for the whole nation for what they're doing on the other side of the Jordan. The tabernacle is in Shiloh. That is where God comes in His presence to the high priest. That's where the table of showbread is, where the incense is. That's where the Holy of Holy is. The Ark of the Covenant is there. That's where God wants to be represented. The offerings and the altar is outside of that tabernacle. That is where the sacrifices are to made. They they were made. They drug that thing around for 40 years in the desert, seven years of warfare. 
the tribes of the Levites, each family within the tribes has a specific duty in taking care of the thing. And it, every single portion of it is a representation of their future Savior, our, our present Savior, Jesus Christ, is salvation. And all of it's a representation of Christ. But what do they do? We'll build our own down the street. <clears throat> it's more convenient. But what does Phineas say? Does he just say, oh, this is bad? No, he gives them two, rep- two examples. If you remember, at Peor, that's when Israel's men took Moabite women. They were compromising. And then they started worshiping Moabite gods. And God's wrath came down on Israel. And there was a plague. Phineas remembers it because he was the one that prayed to God for intercession for the Lord to release, to release that plague. So Phineas remembers personally the consequences for not following after the Lord. And then he says, do you not remember Achan? Remember Achan outside the walls of Jericho? The Lord said, don't take anything in the town. And what's he take? He takes a robe, he takes some stuff. And then veterans, men that sacrificed their lives in combat, they died because of that sin in a battle they should have won, and they had to go search through who it was, and there it was. It was Achan, and Achan was stoned because there's consequences for our actions, especially our young people today. You're being taught that you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can believe whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You're being taught today that if you want to, you could fly to the moon with a Superman cape if you just believe it hard enough. No, you cannot. If you're not seven foot tall, you're most likely not going to be in the NBA either. I'm sorry to crush your dreams. There are things that we cannot do. But we're being taught the exact opposite. That doesn't mean that if you don't work your tail off and apply yourself, you can't do far more than you think. That is a truth. That is a biblical truth. But people are not learning today like they did literally then, that there are direct consequences for your actions. And compromise is one of them. Uh, There are people in this room right now, I know I am one of them, that I have reaped what I sowed. That's a biblical way of saying I made really dumb decisions and I got really dumb consequences. I was taught a long time ago, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes usually as I was crying to someone about something. That is what Phineas is saying to these tribes, to the two and a half tribes that are on the other side of Jordan. What are you thinking? Do you know what you're doing? And we need to be able to do the same thing with our brothers and sisters in our lives. You know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to, go to the church down the street. You know, I know they don't teach the Bible there that much, but you know, I feel really good when I... I go there. They're really supportive. They got a great youth ministry over there. They got a great youth ministry. What are you talking about, Mrs. Smith? They just have uh, pizza there and squirt guns. They don't even talk about. Yeah, but there's a lot of friends there from for them, and they're Christian. It's okay. And it seems like well, I could understand that. So go ahead. That's I, I understand that. At least you're in church, and we may catch ourselves saying like that. But regardless of what church they're going to, if the Lord's calling to a different church, that's fine. But the question should be, number one, is the Lord truly leading you there? Number two, will you draw closer to the Lord when you go there? But compromise has already set in. Somebody that maybe the Lord delivered him from alcohol or her, 
And now a couple years later, they're thinking, well, you know, I have liberty. I, I can drink a little bit. I can compromise a little bit by grace. Maybe, but maybe that compromise will lead you to something else. What do I mean? Well, I'm going to show you how you can have good intentions and still not realize that you're backsliding. I'm going to show you how you can have religiosity and you can have good intentions and still be making a mistake. I can, I'm going to show you now how you can, quote-unquote, get away with something or even think you're in the right, but you're slowly leading to destruction. And it's in verses 21 through 29. It's the response from these tribes. Then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said to the heads of the divisions of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, He knows. And let Israel itself know. If it is in rebellion or it is treachery against the Lord, do not save us this day. If we have built ourselves an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer on it burnt offerings or grain offerings, or if to offer peace offerings on it, let the Lord Himself require an account. But, in fact, we have done it for fear. For a reason, saying, In time to come your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, What have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord God has made the Jordan a river between you and us, your, you children of Reuben and children of Gad. You have no part in the Lord. So your descendants would make our descendants cease fearing the Lord. Therefore, we said, let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar, not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between you and us and our generations after us, that we may perform the service of the Lord before Him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and our peace offerings, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. Verse 28. Therefore, we said that it will be when they say this to us or to our generations in time to come, that we may say, here is the replica of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, though not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between you and us. Now in verse 29, far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord this day to build an altar for burnt offerings, for grain offerings, or for sacrifices, besides the altar of the Lord our God, which is before His tabernacle. Well, it sounds very spiritual. I mean, it sounds good. See, what's happening is their, their response is very first and foremost, God is the judge. So good. That's the very first sentence that they say. Second, they say, if we're doing the things that you say, then yes, your judgment, you know, wipe us out. We deserve it. But then they say, but that's not why we did it. Number one, they say it's not an actual altar. It's like a memorial. It's a replica. It's a representation of the altar in Shiloh. And so this is a memorial to our generations because we're worried. We're on this. You know, the Lord made this Jordan River between us. And we may say, well, that's them and this is us. And what do we have to do with their God? And we know we are connected, so we built this thing so we could look at it and teach our generations afterwards that, yes, you know, the altar's over there. We need to follow it. This is our God, too. If we don't, we don't want to do any altering. We're not disobeying God in any way. This is for our benefit to draw closer. And that sounds great. That sounds really good. 
You know, nobody believes 100% of a lie. They believe a lot of truth with a little bit of a lie, and then it's easy to swallow. Now, I'm not saying they're lying. In fact, I'm not saying that's even their intention. I'm going to say that this is 100% what they believe. But if you're a student of the Bible, how does this work? Does this work? Are the tribes on the other side of the Jordan, are they known for sticking with the Bible, for being following the God of Israel, for making their sacrifices? No, they're known for a compromise. They're the first that are taken into captivity. They're on the outer edges. This, this does not work. They decided to be that far from Shiloh. Remember, they decided. God didn't make a river between them. They asked to stay on that side where it was comfortable because they, they didn't want to make the transfer. And God compromised with them and said, sure, if you want to stay there, okay. But you're going to have to go and fight with the rest of the nation of Israel. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight as a believer, that slow, gradual slide. So because they compromised early on, the Lord was still with them. Yeah, sure, okay, you know, it's not my intention, but okay. And then they, they were loyal, and they did the fight great, good for them. They come back, they realize, you know what, we're really far. Culturally, we're far away. So we're going to build this thing separate to represent what we need to do, that we need to go farther to get to Shiloh. And the whole nation of Israel, the other ten tribes, are like, what are they doing over there? we got to come. And they, they ask those questions, they confront them, and this is the response. And we may, in our eye, we, we may be thinking, oh, this sounds great. That's a great idea. Awesome. We'll gather the kids together. We'll look at this, this uh, altar together, and it'll remind us that we need to go over there. And then the, the next thing the kids can say, they get a little bit bigger, is, well, why do we need to go over there? we got the thing right here. You know, What's the point of going that far? We, we got enough right here. We'll remember. But then what's with their generation? Well, my dad, they never went over there. They just went and walked over this thing, altar. You know, so maybe we don't go to this altar every once in a while. We'll go on the holidays. We'll come wrap around this thing. And farther and farther and farther, the low, the slow slide away. Well, many believers are doing the same thing today. They don't want to go to the church. They don't want to go and fellowship together. Or that they do, they want to compromise. You know, we invest a lot of money because we know the Lord is proclaiming the gospel and a lot of people come and visit this place after they've watched it online. They say, okay, Mike is crazy, but he's not that crazy. So we'll come and we'll, we'll listen. But there are some people that are watching online instead of coming to church. They don't want to make the journey to Shiloh. They just, well, this is good enough. We're close. I'm getting the word. It's great. You know, the air, the, the air system's a little better at my house. The air conditioning set to the temperature I want it to be. This is good enough. Many people are doing that with many other churches. Well, I'll just watch online. The problem is maybe you're consistent online for a month, two months, maybe a year. But then you miss one, and nobody says, hey, where were you? Because you've been watching online. I mean, there's nobody there to tell you. And then maybe you miss two. All right, maybe you're watching once a month now. I mean, we could have people on right now that have missed for the last three months and they just came back on. I didn't know you were online. I don't have a camera. <laughs> it's the Lord. Just come back. Stop the compromise. You know, read the Bible to your children. Read the Bible to your spouse. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, wash your wives in the water of the Word. Well, I'll drag it to church. That's the same thing. That's not the same thing. That's not what the Bible says. 
but the Lord knows my heart. My heart is good. You can do all kinds of dumb things with good intentions. The nation of Israel is our prime example, and so is the church in the 21st century. Because apart to ourselves, we are fallen creatures. Our nature is never to drift towards God. Our nature is always to drift towards the world. And that's why it is a spiritual war. We're all built that way. So we have to make no provision for the flesh. If you have replicas of spiritual things in your life, get rid of them. Let's go to the real thing, the authentic thing. Now let's read verses 30 through 34. This is their response. It says here, verse 30, Now when Phinehas the priest and the rulers of the congregations, the head of the divisions of Israel who were with him, heard the words that the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them. Then Phinehas the son of Eleazar the priest said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest and the rulers, returned from the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, from the land of Gilead, to the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel, and brought back word to them. So the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God. They spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness, for it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Oh, everybody's so relieved. Yeah, we don't have to murder everybody. This is great. And that's the intention there. See, when Phineas leaves and goes back to the nation of Israel, you know, after so many years of war, no, we don't have to go and do this thing. But is that really the right question to be asked? You know, when we talk about discipleship and we talk about uh, being Christians together and having faith together, we talk, especially the guys, you know, when we get into the men's meetings and men's fellowship, oh, we're iron sharpening iron. Are we, though? Are we really, do we see some sparks flying? Or are we just like, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't have to murder you today. That's good. I'm going to go home now. What do I mean by saying that? Oh, okay, good. You didn't recant the faith. You showed up. Awesome. Pat on the back. I'm glad you're doing well. Hey, brother, how are you doing? Oh, great. Praise the Lord. Awesome. He said the Lord. He must love the Lord. I'm going to leave him alone now. But are you, though? Press in. Do you have people, women, no different, do you have people in your your life that are calling you out on your nonsense? It's like, listen, you haven't been to church in three weeks. Oh, well, you know, I've been real busy, got a job, you know, and, you know, I met this Christian girl, it's going great. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, great. And if you're just non-confrontational, you're just not worried about conflict, you're just making small talk, what are you going to say? Oh, that's great. Okay, I'll be praying for you. No, you're not. Stop lying. You're not going home on your knees by your bed praying, oh, I hope that works out. That's just Christian talk. If you, you need to be sincere. Are you willing to do something about it? Because the nation of Israel, when they say, oh, we're so glad we didn't have to raise the sword against you, that's not just, oh, that's iron sharpening iron. They were going to go to families and wipe them out for disobeying God because it was their family or their family right? 
Well, when we continue to allow false doctrine, false teaching, itchy ears, when we continue to drift from God's Word, because that's the easier thing to do, I just won't say anything. Oh, you know what? I know that Sister Smith struggled with alcohol, and I know that the Lord delivered her from that, and I know that her entire world was upside down, and then she got saved, and she gave her life to the Lord, and she was born again. You know, but I did see her drinking a little bit of wine at the restaurant the other day when I just happened to be picking up my steak. I wonder what that's all about. Well, I'll pray for her, and then you go home and don't say anything. Or you see her at church, hey, you know what, you know, I, I had this thing I saw. It's none of my business, but I just wanted to come and bring it up to you. Oh, well, that's, that's my Christian liberty. I, I've been walking with the Lord for like seven years now, and so, yeah, I feel like that's okay. Okay, great, as long as you're praying about it, just checking, making sure, and then we leave them. Why am I so passionate about this? Because as a pastor, I have seen lives wrecked. I have had friends who served in ministry with me who have just forsaken all that stuff, go right back to it maybe five years later, 10 years later, 15 years later. I've seen marriages destroyed. I've seen children walk away from the Lord as they become adults. I've seen adulterous relationships. And when you see that much carnage from compromise, you stop playing games with it. And that's why I'm telling all of us this evening, are you building replicas of faith? Are you, are you building things that look spiritual, they sound spiritual, maybe even with the best of intentions, but are you drawing closer? What in the world is this giant statue on the other side of the Jordan compared to the presence of God in the tabernacle, compared to the altar? Because if you remember way back in the day when we were in the book of Leviticus, didn't we have that offering that was special fellowship between you and God? That the way that it was laid out on the holy grill was that the Lord was eating his portion, consuming his portion, you got yours and the priest got his, and you had this fellowship between you. Where is that on that dead rock? Be careful that we have authentic, real faith. Go home. Get on your knees and pray to the real God. Open your Bible and read the words of God. Coming to church, driving around, listening to Christian music, saying, God bless you, I'll pray for you, is not real faith absent from those other things. We want to be real Christians. We want to follow a real God with a real relationship. You see the fakery. You see it. You see the illusions. I'm not trying to be... The angry, angst pastor, what I'm trying to remind all of us is don't compromise with the religion of churchianity. We are followers of Christ, and we have a real God for real problems, and He wants to do real things in our lives. Don't fall for the smoke in the mirrors. Unfortunately, for those tribes, it does not go well. And when we go to Jesus' day, and he's on the other side of the Jordan. This is where they're raising pigs. And this is where the demons were. And this is where they, de- the man came to him with the demons. And Jesus lit the demons out and put them into the pigs. And the pigs ran off the cliff. And what did they do with that? 
they had fallen so far. Not only were they raising pigs, not only were they compromised with the world and with the Gentiles, not were they not only following God, not following God's laws. When Jesus did that, they said, "Hey, can you get out of here, please? Can you leave? We don't like you here." And that's what happens. Sooner or later, that backsliding goes to a place that Jesus can perform miracles in front of you, and you say, "Yeah, yeah, we don't want that here. It doesn't fit with our plan." Don't be like that. Don't be like that. But I do want to remind you, if you're in that place, that God's mercies are new every day. And he that began a work in you is faithful to complete that work. Just turn back to him and be used by him. Go to our great high priest, Jesus Christ, the only mediator between man and God. And he will do that work. Well, on Wednesday nights, we like to spend the rest of the evening in prayer. We like to spend it in intercessory prayer. So we'd like you to pray loud enough, one at a time, loud enough that we can all hear and agree with you as we close out this hour. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. We pray that you'd have your way in us. We thank you that your word reveals the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. And so we pray that you would reveal what's true, what's real. In those areas that were convicted, Lord, we just give it to you this evening. We lay it down in your feet and say, have your way. Have your way. Because we want real faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.